Hey, this is Tom Gray. Welcome to This Stuff Matters, the podcast, and this is the episode for release date, Tuesday, August the 15th, 2023, and this will be a standalone um, that I'm just wanting to call Your Story. And I hope you've enjoyed the interviews, the last four episodes, uh, two parts with Dennis Gomez, two parts with uh, Gordon Pritz. And I, I felt like and, and hope for you that they were super productive and helpful. What I want to do today is something uh, that I am really imagining will be, in my heart at least, it's targeted toward those that um, that are struggling right now in their lives and uh, struggling to find meaning, struggling to embrace purpose, struggling uh, to, to, uh, to feel as though there is actual hope for them. And um, this is going to flow out of the message that we had at our church on, on Sunday. So uh, these things kind of go together. I felt like um, our, our focal point for the study we had this particular Sunday, the 13th at our at our church would dovetail perfectly well with uh, the mission of This Stuff Matters, the podcast. We really are here to stir up a revolution of souls and society. And uh, I know that our society is hurting, and that's because the individuals in our society increasingly are hurting. Um, uh, honestly, in very real terms, uh, as, as if uh, we've been just kind of set adrift in a life raft in the middle of the ocean with uh no anchor, no motor, no rudder, no sail, no uh, no compass, and increasingly people are kind of feeling that way um, out there, not knowing where they are, not knowing what they're supposed to do, not knowing where they're going, not knowing if the struggle and the effort is worth it. And uh, you know, so I, I want to humbly, yet maybe profoundly, uh, boldly speak into your circumstance, speak into your story in a way that I hope transforms your story. When we talk about a re revolution of souls and society, I hope you are revolutionized by what we focus on today. I looked at uh, some, some statistical data that just came out from the American Mental Health, um, actually called Mental Health America is the name of the organization. I mean, such dramatic things like, uh, you know, 21% of adults uh, right now are, are suffering technically from from some form of mental illness. We got 15% of American adults that over the last year have had a significant struggle with some substance addiction. We've got 16% of youth that in the last year have had serious suicidal thoughts uh, and, and deep uh, depressive um, you know, uh, episodes of some sort. It's, it's not a good place. You know, we, we, nihilism is on the rise. This sense that uh, as Macbeth and the great tragedy of Shakespeare articulated that life is, um, it's just a story told by an idiot. Um, you know, it's full of, of rage. Uh, you know, it's, it's signifying nothing. And uh, it's, I'm missing the quote exactly. Sorry about that. But you, you know, the point basically that, that life is, is meaningless. Life is pointless. And so it's not worth living. It's not worth continuing to live. So, I want to not just challenge that assessment or summary. I want to blow it out of the water. I want it to be a true revolution because it couldn't be further from the truth. 
we are experiencing, you know, this increased sense of confusion and lostness and hopelessness more and more. I mean, we're we're feeling the weight of what our belief system as a society has produced. We've got this this relativism that says there is no truth. I mean, that's obviously ridiculous. Of course, there's truth. The very definition of truth is that it is objective and knowable and uh, it doesn't waver. It's not negotiable over time. There are there there is solid ground in the universe. There is solid uh, principles. Uh, thankfully, in engineering, that that plays out, so we can build uh, buildings confidently. If fortunately, that plays out in aeronautical engineering, so we can build airplanes that we're confident will get off the ground. Uh, thankfully, that's that's uh, plays out in uh, nautical engineering, so we confidently can craft and build ships that that can sail and not sink. But it's true morally as well. Morally, uh, the, the issues of the soul, the issues of the mind and heart and emotion and life issues, uh, there, there is truth for all of the above. There is absolute solid ground that we can anchor to. It's not relative, but we've told ourselves as a society that it's all relative. And uh, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And so if we've got 330 million Americans at this point, uh, theoretically, if that if that belief system is true, then there's... 330 potential different definitions of what's true and real and, and actual, which means very practically that there's no truth at all. There is nothing. I mean, if that's the case, 330 different versions, yeah, it, that that definition of truth is not truth. Uh, but we are realizing the effects of believing such nonsense, right? That's relativism. And relativism leaves you on a lifeboat in the middle of the ocean with no rudder, no anchor, no sail, no direction, no compass. And we're feeling the weight of it. That's why the nihilism is on the rise. That's why depression is on the rise. All of these things, or at least it's a significant part of it. And this, you know, we feel like life is random and uh, human beings do not tolerate that internally very well uh, because of what I want to share with you. Uh, your life is a story. My life is a story. And our lives are a part of a bigger story. There is an overarching story that's happening in the universe that we are a part of. And when we detach from it, it does leave us in a place where we feel like everything is random. We feel like there is no point. There's no movement. There's no purpose. There's no direction. There's no meaning. And those things are not true. There is meaning. There is purpose. There is direction. And it's significant. It's hum It's hugely significant. And so I want you to understand where your story fits into life, where your life fits into the bigger life story that's happening all around us that was started well before your life began and will continue well after your, at least your, your mortal, physical, earthly life finishes. And so here's what I want to do. I want to ask you two questions uh, around your story, uh, appealing to your love of and your connection to story in general. Uh, we are people of story. We love it. Whether uh, you live, whatever continent a human being lives on, whatever levels of storytelling or whatever technology or lack thereof is used in the storytelling, we are people of story. Uh, every culture, every economic level, every education level, every uh, race, every every human being, every human heart relates to stories, loves stories whether they're simply told in our culture, uh, passing down oral tradition or legend or myth or around the campfire or whether they're on the big screen, maybe um, 
you know, it's multi-million dollars worth of production went into the storytelling. We are people of story. So think about your favorite movie or your favorite story or one of them. Here's the thing I know to be true about you, and this is true of every human being everywhere on the planet today, is we love stories. And the reason is because our lives are stories. You know, we find meaning, understanding, and inspiration in the stories that we love to, to help us live out our own lives. Story is the language of the heart. Stories nurture us and orient us. Robert McKee, a, a playwright, says stories are equipment for living. I think we know that to be the case. I mean, how much, how many of us seems like, especially men, I mean, we're quoting shows and stories and programs and movies like all the time. It, it, it builds our vocabulary. It builds our frame of reference. It builds our understanding of ourselves. Robert McKee goes on to say, we go to the movies to live in a, to live in a fictional reality that illuminates our daily reality. That's exactly right. Stories shed light on our lives. Daniel Taylor says, our stories tell us who we are why we're here, and what we are to do. They give us our best answers to all of life's big questions and to most of the small ones as well. And this is uh, an explanation for, for part of what we of how we've fallen into the despair we've fallen into, because we, rightly so, in a lot of ways, we, we are people of science, and we should be, and science is, is as strong of a connection to at least in the physical world, truth, you know, as, as we, uh, we can connect to it's awesome science and math. I'm a big science and math guy. And, and that builds life fantastically for us, but let's be careful. Science and math aren't designed to interpret life or define life or, uh, to, to help us understand the, the deeper questions of life. They, they, different, there's a different role for science and math. And yet out of the scientific, uh, focal point, we've, we've attempted to, to build in a story or to connect to a narrative. But when we ask questions like, well, where do we come from? Where did all of this begin? And by the way, everybody asks that, which is something we need to pay attention to. Now, all science can do is say, well, we don't know. Maybe it was an accident. And then when we ask the question, because our, our souls demand that we do, that, that where's it going? Where does it all end? How does this end? All science can do is say, I don't know, maybe an accident, right? And so if that's all we have to go on, you can see where we get to where we have now gotten. If, if my starting point was an accident, my ending point's going to be an accident, then it really is uh, full of fury and and uh, and something that signifies nothing. It really is pointless. It really is random. And there's something in our human nature, our built-in wiring across the board, every human being universal, that is not satisfied with that. We, we, we don't tolerate it well. We don't tolerate randomness uh, easily. And so that's where I want to ask these questions as it relates to story and your story. How is it that every human being universally relates very personally to all that I've just said about story. Why do we love stories? Why do we connect to it? Why, you know, why are def we defined by it so amazingly? Uh, why, why do we cheer, you know, at the great climactic scenes of, of victory or of, um, of love finally, you know, enjoyed and expressed? Um, th these things are significant. And how is it? That when, that when we acknowledge that, that every human being has this wiring internally, I want to take it one step further and say, and here's what I want to teach you, maybe something today you may not know, and that is how do we 
how do you explain that every story that that does resonate with us as human beings, every story essentially follows the exact same storyline? How is that the case? Why are those things there? And my suggestion to you would be this, and I, you, you don't take my word for it. You ponder this, you think about this, explore it more if you want. My argument is that those things are true of every human being because God put those things into our, in essence, our emotional and spiritual DNA. He put those into our hearts. He made us that way. He made us as people of story. Our lives are a story. And he's made us to so connect with a specific storyline because that storyline is the storyline. There is a story, a, a drama unfolding. There, We are a part of a narrative. We are a part of an arc of history that, that is what God is doing in the universe. And part of why it's in every human heart, whether we want it to be or not, to, to connect the story, and part of why the story has to follow an exact and certain pattern for us to take it to heart, I, I believe, is because God's using those realities, if we're open to awakening to them, to draw us into his story, to invite us in, to become a part of, as he has designed us to be, his story. That's what's actually really happening in the world, that all the other stories we read about are pointing us to. And so here's the, let me give you this, and anybody who studies these things, and I'm, I'm uh, assuming most of you in the audience do not or have not studied these things, but it's been, I love these things, but people who write stories know this. And if you ever take a class, a workshop on, on how to write a, a story, they're going to tell you, here's what you have to include. It has to have these six elements. Otherwise, it, you'll have no audience. People won't, <laughs> won't buy it. Uh, isn't it wild? I mean, it has to follow this exact flow or it won't connect to human beings' hearts. And so here it is. Here's the, the essentials of a storyline. Number one, it's got to have a backstory. It's got to have a setup. That's why the classic saying is once upon a time. I mean, your story starts with a story, a bigger story already going. There's already something that's happened in the past that's going to be relevant to what you experience. The second part, the second essential of a story plotline is what they call the inciting incident that necessitates the battle or the journey that, that is ahead. And so the inciting incident is something happens to throw off the equal, equilibrium. Something happens that, that causes a rub, that causes a disconsonance. It, it makes something wrong where something used to be right. It, it's robbed something. It's, uh, it's stolen something. It's, uh, we, we've lost something that's got to be reclaimed and rebuilt. And so there's some inciting incident. Even in, in rom-coms, the inciting incident, they call that is the, uh, the, the meet cute. You know, they, they bumped into each other. And it's, but, but then they can't yet be together. They, maybe uh, there's a variety of ways they, they play out the drama after that, where it's maybe they don't like each other, their personalities clash, or they're from different classes or different families, or their families are trying to keep them apart, or distance or jobs are keeping them apart, or she's engaged to somebody else currently. Or there, there's something, though, that they meet that sets up um, you know, some kind of problem that has to be solved, which brings in the third essential element, which is what they call the rising action. So this incident sets into motion a long journey or a long process, a necessary um, struggle 
to get to, uh, res- to get to ultimate resolution, but to get to making things right, to to fixing and solving the problem that has been created. Um, yeah, and that rising action it can go on for a long time. It can have subplots woven in through it, one step forward, two steps back, all those kinds of things. But then the fourth critical element of every story that resonates with us is the climax. There is that defining thing, that event, that the battle to be won, the the destination to arrive at, the the confession of love to, to the beloved, the whatever it is, the sacrifice that that frees somebody. There is a a victory to be won which is the climax of the story. But then the fifth element of every story is the falling action, basically. And that doesn't mean it gets worse. It just means it's what falls out because of the, the victory that was won or the love that was confessed. Uh, it's it's the, the what's next steps, the, the actions that follow. And then finally, there's the resolution, which in the classic terms is they live happily ever after. What is the, the final state, the, the reclaimed glory that had been lost in the inciting incident. And you know what, what they'll tell you, anybody writing a, a, a you know, a, a script for a movie or writing a book, you, you ignore that structure you, to your own peril. People won't read it. People won't like it. It won't connect. So why is that? Why are we all so connected to story and why does it have to look a certain way? And the reason I want to submit to you is because we're a part of a bigger story. We can't help but be connected to story. It's who we are. It's woven into the design and fabric of our being. And I want to submit to you that what our hearts ought to be telling us is we can observe these two simple things, our our connection to story and the structure of story. Uh, They ought to be accomplishing what I believe God wants to accomplish as to why he put that little... Um, nugget in us, put that little uh, treasure map in our hearts. He's trying to lead us to the story. And this is the story. I mean, the backstory we read, you know, Christianity presents the Bible, the good news the Bible offers. I mean, the, the backstory is God. God's the one that's always existed. You go back to the outer reaches of our understanding or imagination, and there is God, the ultimate source of all things, and the, the one defined by love and all power who is the king of the universe and the king of all creation. And he created intentionally and purposefully. He's got this, in essence, a good analogy for it would be like, he's got this kingdom, this realm of love in mind, and he's the king of that kingdom. And in fact, that's how the Bible begins, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God, and it says, created the heavens and the earth. So it's it's like the, the real version of once upon a time. But then there is very quickly in the story in Genesis chapter 3, the inciting incident, it's where there was rebellion against the king and a tarnishing of his kingdom. And it's the devil. It's the the enemy. And, and why does there have to be a, a villain in every story? Because there's a villain ultimately in the story. He's the great deceiver. And he, he, he instigated and incited our own uh, first parents, our human parents, in, in to, to join him in the rebellion. And all of the life and love of the great kingdom of God was tarnished and lost. And, and death has reigned in its place. And and darkness and hatred have been more the norm. And so that's the great inciting incident. But then there's it sets into place the rising action that, that God uh, said would happen right when the, the inciting incident took place. God says right there, it's in Genesis 3. He says, there's going to be this battle, this enmity, this war between Satan and human beings and, and even one specific descendant of the woman, Eve. 
And he's talking in that case about the ultimate plan for rescuing the kingdom and um, rescuing those that have been deceived and led astray. And he says, he calls that savior, that hero that all of our stories have to have, right? He calls that hero the the offspring of the woman. There's going to be a descendant of hers in the future. He's pointing to, you know, the ultimate climactic event, but he promises it from the very beginning. And so that sets in motion all of the, what they call rising action, which in the Bible is the Old Testament, all the prophecies, all of the principles laid out in the law, all of the other narratives of the characters of faith and the characters of conflict. It's setting up the ultimate climax, which the Bible makes clear is Jesus who comes and lives a perfect human life, true to the principles and nature of the kingdom and the king. Uh, to reclaim those that have fallen under the, the the deception of the devil and and have lived contrary to the king and they've lived defined by death and he comes to bring them forgiveness and life and so he's crucified on a cross in fact Pilate the Roman uh, one who who you know ultimately sentenced Jesus to the cross one of the questions he asks is shall I crucify your king Pilate asked <laughs> poignant profound because that's exactly in the big universal narrative we're all a part of. That's exactly what was happening. The king was being crucified for the subjects of the kingdom. It was the great sacrifice, kind of like Maximus in my favorite movie, Gladiator, when he sacrificed his life in the arena to execute in the climactic moment. He he was able to kill Commodus and bring justice and uh, give the, the empire at least a chance to be a republic again, set people free. In fact, it says there, Jesus, the, the story goes, when he's on the cross, he, he declared, it is finished. That was the last thing he said. And uh, he, he, the climactic event was, was accomplished. The, the victory was won. And then he rose again from the dead three days later. And so the climax, the, uh, the victory completely sealed at that point. And so much so that one of the writers in the New Testament, Paul, says, death has been swallowed up in victory. That's how climactic the work of Jesus was, which puts us in the story then at this fifth element that's called the falling action. We're in the fallout. The victory's already been won. Everything that every human being needs to be forgiven of sin and to be given eternal life has been accomplished by Jesus. And now the fallout, the fall, the falling action is between now and the ultimate resolution uh, is we are, as Jesus told it, told his followers, told us and through those followers when he, right before he ascended back into heaven, he said, now you go, go and make disciples of all nations. Basically go tell the story, go tell the story of God's love and God's plan. It's a kingdom and it's the destiny of this kingdom. And the purpose of each subject of each human being is, you know, the purpose is, is rich and eternal and profound to, to, to be able to, to know the King, to know God and enjoy him forever. This is your purpose. It's highly meaningful. And the the whole falling action, this whole part of the story we've been born into at our time and place in history is highly significant. We're the storytellers. We're the the tale bearers. We're the invitation, um, you know, extenders. You know, we're giving the invitation because he's done, he's won the victory. And now it's just up to people to hear the story and buy into it and say yes, to join the story to come into the story willingly by putting their trust in the Savior, the hero, and uh, and beginning to live as subjects of his kingdom, with him as their king. And so that he, he's said to do that, which leads to the, the final part of, of this story is the resolution. And that's the day in our future 
that Revelation promises very clear where it says in Revelation eleven fifteen, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And so there is that day coming. And so, boy, oh boy, I'd love to be able to say to every soul, as your story, uh, you're in the middle of your story right now, and it's felt meaningless to you and, and it's been dark. It's appeared hopeless and uh, random. It is not. And your, um, your revolution in that sense, your coming to purpose and meaning is a, is a, is a simple recognition that you are in a bigger story and to move into it, to move into it by faith. The Bible says this, it says to anyone who would receive Jesus, who would receive him, God gives them the right to become his children. That, that's the message. And so what you do with it to move into his story, it's synonymous with moving into his kingdom or moving into his family, becoming the children of God, as that verse said. And it's just to say something to him like this. And I, I could tell you a model of something to say, the point being that you say it to God from your own heart. Just say something like, you know, God, I don't understand everything. I don't get all this, but I know enough. I, this is resonating with me. I, I've, my story to this point, my rising action is leading me to this climax of my life. Is I know enough to ask you to be my savior. I, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to lead my life and be my king. I want you to give me eternal life. So please come into my life right now and, uh, and begin just leading me from this day forward. You do that. Oh boy. Yeah. Your story is not random. You're not bobbing around in the ocean with no rudder. You've just entered a whole new phase where every day, every thought, every word, every, uh, every moment actually comes with great significance. Because you're in a bigger story, and your story's integral to that story. You know, you've got a lot to learn about what it means now to walk as a citizen of this new kingdom, of the ultimate kingdom. But your life is eternally meaningful and purposeful. And I want you to know this: it ha you are going somewhere. There is an end to the story, and it is better than happily ever after. Uh, it's better than you can imagine. So, anyway, I wanted to take a one-off week on our podcast, uh, just feeling kind of compelled from what we did and how we kind of focused on this at our church on Sunday. I, it's, it's desperately needed, I know and believe, across um, our society, uh, but not just in some big general blanket kind of a way, but in the individual soul kind of a level, because we've ended up hurting and wandering and, and, and struggling. And there is a solution. There is meaning. There is hope. And it's found in the story and the author of the story, and the hero of the story. Um, and the amazing thing about that fantastical story is it's true. It is the truth. And um, I want you to know that. And I want you to be changed by that. All right. Well, I appreciate you joining in with us. If this is helpful to anybody else you know, uh, you know, download it, share it. And then join me again next Tuesday. We've got some great stuff coming up. I'm eager to tell you. Just be paying attention to our social media and our podcast and our website. About um, By the way, go to our website and you can, you can subscribe to get weekly email updates. You'll never miss anything. We've got uh, our fall schedule of live events that I'm excited to, for you to join in with as well. But hey, I appreciate you being here. And uh, until next time, this is Tom Gray. And this stuff matters.